This morning we're in John's Gospel, chapter 1, beginning in verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This is the word of life. One of the greatest church historians of the last century was Martin Marty. He was a prolific writer and commentator. He was a STEAM professor at the University of Chicago Divinity School until 1998 upon his retirement. But he's continued to write and speak and comment and inform and educate even in his retirement. He once was quoted as saying, I put this quote in your outline, I am much more a communal believer than an individual believer. And of course, what Marty meant was that the community of faith bolstered his faith and nurtured him on his spiritual journey. And even though he believed in God as a personal commitment, it was the community that had brought him to that faith and sustained him in that faith. I find that to be true of my faith journey as well. I am a communal Christian. I did not get here by myself. It wasn't just me having a relationship with God. It was a community of faith. People in my family who brought me to church and to Sunday school. Adults who taught and nurtured and loved me. Adults who volunteered to go to summer camp to make it possible for me as a child, as a teenager to go and experience the great out of doors and think even more about who God was and how God works in our lives. It takes a village, some people say. The community of faith is that for Christians. Is that true in your experience? Have other people been instrumental in your walk of faith? Certainly the Bible is full of stories, remarkable stories of people having a solitary experience with the divine or with God. But it's also full of stories of people who only come to faith because someone else that they knew spoke to them, taught them, led them, invited them to be a part of this faith community. Led them into an experience of God or an experience of God in Christ. They come with the help and through the help 
of others. Even I thought this week as I was thinking about this, our experiences of the Holy Spirit so often are so personal that we think they're only single or solitary experiences. And yet I would suggest that we discern what God is doing in our lives and recognize the movement of the Holy Spirit best when we do it in community, when we have the help of others in the faith community. This reading from John that we have today tells such a story of people coming to faith in Christ with and through the help of others. John says Jesus sees Philip and calls him to be a disciple. And Philip responds and begins to follow, but you notice he doesn't do that hardly beyond his declaration that he will until he decides he needs to go tell his friend, Nathaniel. He goes and tells another one, we have found the one that we've been waiting for. So some have a direct encounter with Christ and respond in faith, but others are invited in by someone else who's already met Jesus and they're introduced to him by their friend or family member. We didn't read it today, but the story John tells right before where we began to read is a Similar story to the one that we read, but this time it has to do with Andrew and Peter, who are brothers. Andrew meets Jesus, and just like Philip begins to follow, declares that he's a follower, but he hardly gets started before he runs to find his brother Simon Peter and say, guess what? We have found the one we've been waiting for and invites Peter to come. And of course, Peter does come and meets Jesus and decides to be his follower, but not only his follower, he really becomes the leader of the band of disciples that are closest to Jesus once he has begun to be a part of that group. I want you to think about your faith journey for a little bit. How did you come to faith? How did you come to faith? Who was instrumental in bringing you into the family of Christ? Where did that happen? What were the circumstances? What was going on in your life that you were ready to respond? Or who did you meet that helped you move in this direction? Think about the first church you participated in. Did somebody invite you in to their fellowship or to that family? How did you get connected to this church? So many of us come through the invitation of a family member or friend, someone we've known who's already a part of here. It's our faith community and we invite them in so it can become their faith community as well. We are communal Christians to a large extent. We come to faith and grow in faith and recognize that Christianity is not a solitary enterprise or an individual enterprise alone, but it's a part of something much bigger that God is doing and God is working through all of us as a community. And John in his gospel story today says it's so important for us to remember to invite others in. To say come and see, come and see. It can happen in so many different ways. One of our longtime members wrote me recently, sent me an email. She told me she has taken it upon herself to write to others. And it was interesting what she told me. She said I've met some people who are new to Boston Avenue, but they sat near me, and I had a 
opportunity to talk with them. I got their name. I looked on the registration pad and saw their address and copied it down and took it with me. And later that week, I wrote them a note saying, it was so great to meet you at Boston Avenue. I'm so glad that you've come. If I can do anything to help, I hope that you'll call on me. I hope to see you there again. I was thrilled to hear that she was reaching out in that way to people I had not even met, but had come here looking for something, a family of faith, a relationship with Christ, a supportive community. And she reached out and to them said, come back and see. But once she started doing that, she told me she also would see people across our sanctuary, sometimes sitting on the other side. She doesn't always be able to get over there to speak to them personally but she's known them from a different association around town she says she's begun to write them too and say i was so glad to see you at church i hope you'll come again i will hope to speak to you if i can ever be of help let me know boston avenue is a great church to be a part of again i was thrilled that she was reaching out that she was taking the time to connect with others by writing a simple note. But she said it actually even spurred her on further. That she began to think of people who she used to see that were people that sat around her that she wasn't seeing as often. She's written a few of them a note saying, I miss you. I wish you were here. I hope to see you soon. I don't know about you, but I like getting those kind of notes. I get other kinds as well. But I like that. I feel more connected to those people who write and say, it was so great to see you. Thank you for your efforts or whatever they might be expressing. It's just one way that we can connect with people within the faith family, within this community of faith. And when we make such an effort, we might be changing their life. That we might be a person God is using to invite another one in to the family of faith. When I decided to do this series here in the beginning of this new year about experiencing God, I was really concerned. I talked to so many different people about their faith journeys. And so often they say, you know, I read those stories in the Bible, but it just doesn't seem like that could happen to me or for me or I haven't had that experience. So I decided it would be important for us to share stories from out of our midst of how people experience God and come to faith and grow in faith. The first week I shared a little of my story. Last week if you were here you got to hear Bob Jones share his story with us a little bit. This week I've asked Sarah Jenkins to come. Sarah's not been a lifelong member here. She's only been here a few years but if you come at 11 you see her right on the front row usually in a choir robe. And when they stand to sing the anthem, and if you have the view to see her, you know it's time to worship. She is full of the Spirit. She sings with gusto. She has such sincere faith. You know she is here to praise God and that she has a genuineness of faith that she wants to share through her vocal expressions. I would sit over here and see her week after week. I want to know more about her, I said to myself. So when I decided to invite some people in, I wrote to Sarah and said, would you be willing to help me with a sermon? And just like all the others, she said, oh, no, not me. <laughs> I said, please. And she said, well, okay. But she's been taking care of her husband, who's been quite ill. And then on Christmas Eve, he passed away. 
So when I talked to Sarah after that, I said, maybe this isn't a good time. I will understand if you don't feel like you can stand up and talk about your life of faith at this point. And she said, oh, no, I can still do that. And I said, really? And she said, yes. So, Sarah, will you come and share with us a little bit about your faith journey? She told me how she grew up in Japan. Only 1% of the population is Christian in Japan. And yet Sarah came to faith. So tell us a little bit about your own faith story and how that happened. Okay. Well, I'm a third generation Protestant from Japan. The country of Japan was closed to the rest of the world for almost 300 years until the Meiji Restoration in 1886. So when the door was opened, lots of missionaries started to come to Japan. And my grandparents became one of the very first Protestants in Japan. So I grew up in a Christian family, and that meant getting up early Sunday morning and going to Sunday school and uh, worship service. And then at that time, Japanese schools operated Monday through Saturday. That meant I had to get up early Monday through Saturday again, and choir rehearsals were held on Saturday night. That meant I had to get up early every morning for seven days a week. But I never regretted not being able to sleep in late. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you were 26, you decided to come to America, came to the great Northwest in Seattle, and through a series of experiences, met your husband Dwight he, in, Anchorage. in Anchorage, Alaska. He was a Methodist, and so... That helped you into the United Methodist family, but then upon retirement, eight years ago, he wanted to come here, and so you all moved to the Tulsa area, and after here a while, you found Boston Avenue. Tell us about how you happened to find our church family. Well, my husband, Dwight, started coming to Tulsa twice a year after we moved down here eight years ago, after I retired for him, uh, <laughs> Uh, to attend um, Wanamaker's gun shows in April and October. Of course, he fell in love with the Tulsa weather in October and April. <laughs> <laughs> and also, he fell in love with wonderful, genuine, sweet, polite Tulsans. So that's why he said, let's move down to Tulsa. Well, I didn't like the idea too much <laughs> then, but after I acquiesced, to his wish, then I thought I will make the best of it. And unfortunately, Dwight fell ill seriously four days after we moved down here and was hospitalized for 10 days. So my, our daughter, Joyce, who is an architect and then living in and working in Portland, Oregon, came down to be my moral support. Before she left, she heard that Boston Avenue United Methodist Church in downtown Tulsa is a historical uh, landmark, national historical landmark, and also is listed in the National Registry of Historical Places. So he, she wanted to see it. 
we drove down here from Broken Arrow and walked around the church, and she was so impressed and started taking lots of pictures of things that only an architect would be interested in. <laughs> and afterwards, she said, well, Mom and Dad, you should consider transferring your memberships to this beautiful church, not to that Heritage, Heritage Methodist in Broken Arrow. <laughs> so we listened to her. Sorry, Heritage Methodist. <laughs> And uh, when we transferred our memberships here, we didn't know that our services are traditional. I'm from the old school, so I cannot relate to uh, contemporary services with drums and guitars, with no music score, but lyrics, uh, you know, flashed on the screen for the congregational singing. So I feel so fortunate to, to have found this church. And also, I didn't know this volunteer choir has so many great singers and dedicated members. And under the direction of talented Dr. Pansiera, makes such beautiful harmony. And it's just a blessing. When you came, once you realized there was a choir, you came and talked to Joel about... Yes the possibility of auditioning yes. for the choir. <laughs> you found out you didn't have to audition. That he would welcome you in, um, and you came and began to sing. But then he asked you to take on another role after you'd been in the choir for a while as correspondent. And that really has had an impact on your faith journey. Tell us about that. Yes. It was a year and a half after I joined the choir, Joel asked if I would consider becoming a correspondent secretary. And I said, Joel... I don't know people, but only a handful around me singing. So he said, well, why don't you uh, solicit help from Joanna Tours? She knows everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so I started the job, and one of the job uh, requirement was to call a florist and order flowers when one of us gets sick or have a surgery or hospitalized, then I realized one of my hobbies is arranging flowers. So I took it upon myself to arrange flowers and deliver them. And through that experience, I got to know so many wonderful brothers and sisters in singing in such personal and intimate level. And it's just a blessing to me. And I can go on and on about <laughs> many other wonderful things that this church offers, but we don't have time, that's, do we? That's probably <laughs> right. That is probably right. <laughs> but thank you, Sarah. <laughs> I think you can see that God has worked in her lives in a a number of different ways, all the way back to missionaries going to Japan, to family members helping her decide to be here, to choir members, staff members who have played a role in how God has drawn her into this family of faith. And really then as she goes through her own difficult experience of grief and transition, there is a strong supportive network walking with her through this time. It's a 
story of how God has worked in her life and she's experienced God uh, around the world and through all the different stages of her life. John in his gospel talks about how we come to faith. Sometimes it's a direct encounter with Christ, but so often it's when another invites us in. Certainly that has been true for Sarah. The good news of the gospel is that God is continually reaching out to people who have not yet responded to the call of Christ or who are looking for a church home or a supportive and loving community. This particular text emphasizes how important personal relationships are, how important it is that we listen for those around us who might need us to say a word that might be looking and needing us to make an invitation it reminds us that inviting people and speaking about our experiences in following christ can help others take an important step in faith we've just got a few minutes left here but i want us to think about how that might happen through you this was not only important in biblical times but is important in our times. how might this happen through you i think of all the different kinds of places that we might invite someone to participate in faith. And of course, most of us think about Sunday morning. But do you ever go to a Super Bowl party? Lots of people get together around the Super Bowl. So if you were going to do that, what if you thought of someone you knew? Maybe they're a football fan, but maybe not. Maybe you just realize they're going to be alone on that night. Or maybe they're new to town. And they don't know who's going to get together to watch that football game. And you could be the one who invited them in to that experience. And that might lead to their experience of this church family or the experience of Christ. I think about our Martin Luther King Jr. commemoration activities this weekend. How we help host the citywide celebration and we 